Welcome to Storytime with Paul Doerr. This season of the podcast includes excerpts via live shows and in-studio recordings from my new book, I'm Leaving It, and other stories. Some of the stories are true and some are not. I'll let you figure it out. But they all hopefully have my trademark charm, wit, and profound wisdom. Purchase your copy of the entire book in paperback, ebook, or audiobook form at all major online booksellers. I also write a monthly newsletter that is both fun and insightful. To subscribe to the newsletter or for further information about the book, please visit pauldor.com. Today's story, I Killed Something Today. Last year, driving along the highway to the airport early in the morning, a truck clipped my car on the side, sending me spinning across three lanes. Someone screamed, and I realized that that someone was me. The scream came from looking to my left and seeing another truck heading towards me at full speed. This second truck hit me from behind, sending me crashing into the guardrail. A few months passed before the insurance was worked out and I picked up a new car. Still a few more months before I could drive on highways again. My extended family lives in another city a five-hour drive away, and there's an alternative route that largely avoids the main highways. Highways with all its trucks traveling too fast, swaying into the lanes beside them. Now that I'm somewhat back to driving on highways, there's a new addition, a truck that has an extended trailer. Essentially, it's the size of two trucks being driven by one person. How is this safe? Enough about my anxieties around highways and trucks. These back roads are quite pleasant to drive on, except when you get an impatient person behind, wanting to drive faster and taking unnecessary risks of passing you in oncoming lanes. I mean, there's only so fast one can drive on these curvy roads, It's my policy to never give another driver the middle finger. This doesn't help anyone, and it doesn't make me feel any better. Instead, as they pass, I smile straight ahead and give them a thumbs up, like I wholeheartedly agree with their current reckless behavior. Sure, passive-aggressive, but instead of provoking anger, it just creates confusion from them. I'll take confusion over anger, any day, especially when it involves another car which is basically a death machine on wheels. Driving along a stretch with a lake on one side and farmland on the other, I had two such drivers behind me. The road being curvy, there were no ideal opportunities to pass, and even these two drivers were not willing to take a guess at whether an oncoming car was coming around the bend or not. That's about when the groundhog decided to try and cross the street. The groundhog popped onto the road and sprinted across the two lanes. He basically ran right into my car. I had a split-second choice. 
I could slam on the brakes or I could hit him. If I slammed on the brakes, the car behind me was so close that he would surely crash into my trunk and the car behind him would crash into his trunk. So I hit the groundhog, or I should say, I killed the groundhog. There's no way he could have survived, and if he did, he'd be in bad shape. His relatives would have to decide whether or not to pull the plug. Not to get too graphic, but I felt the small body of that animal shatter on impact and, in my mirror, saw bloody parts still flying through the air, landing on the hood of the car behind me. Kept my composure, kept driving, stopping at the first chance and just sat there. I killed something today. I mean, I've killed mosquitoes, but nothing else of much substance. That groundhog, whose days consisted of digging, eating, sleeping, then here I come along into his territory with my big dumb metal tank and smash his body to smithereens. I didn't mean to do it. Why didn't he wait ten seconds to cross the road? He would have had a clear path. Tired, I decided to lower my seat back and tried for some rest. I had been running on empty for a while, emotions running high, that kind of thing. What I needed the least at the moment was to get into another car accident, something that flashed in front of my eyes at least once every time I got behind the wheel. In that flash, I was back in my car a few months ago, spinning, screaming, watching a truck heading right towards me, and I knew without a doubt that I was going to die. Did that groundhog know he was going to die when he woke up in the morning? After my nap, I kept heading towards my destination. Along the way, I stopped to caffeinate myself. When it came time to order, the person behind the cache smiled a knowing smile and said, Hey, haven't seen you in a while. Where have you been? It was a small city, one that I had never been to in all the times I drove to Ottawa. So, to the best of my knowledge, I'd never set foot in this coffee shop. She picked up on my confusion and said, The usual? I nodded slowly, still partially confused, but also curious as to what my usual would be somewhere I've never been. She wrote my name on the cup without asking. I moved over to where the barista was preparing my usual smiled at me in a similar smile as the cashier and said, Some room at the top? Soy, right? I blinked three times and nodded. She handed me the drink and said, Nice to see you back. The cup was hot in my hand, but I didn't feel it. I lifted the drink for the name written on the side. Jeffrey. Assuming that they had mistaken me for someone else, I couldn't help but think about two truths. One, my first name is actually Jeffrey. Two, I do like room and soy. Now, these experiences really happened on the same trip. I really did kill a groundhog, and there was an alleged mistaken identity at a coffee shop. This is the moment where I would take this down a strange tangent, creating some kind of alter ego named Jeffrey Buchanan, my real first name and the street I grew up on, who is a secret agent that takes his downtime in small-town Ontario. I had been somewhere in rural Russia, infiltrating a small arms factory that was making deals counter to international sanctions. After the barista recognized me at the local coffee shop, it would be time for me to move on because I need to live an anonymous life of solitude. But I just don't have the energy for this right now. All I wanted to do was get to my destination. Actually, 
I just returned from visiting my family the previous day. A frantic phone call from my mother in the evening. They've moved him to the hospice. I think you should come back. Making my way through the small town and returning to the back roads, I thought again of that groundhog. How would his family know he died? No groundhog police force makes the visit or call to their hole and let them know their father or brother or husband died. An hour later, I had to eat. I hadn't since the previous day. If I was to actually make it, I needed to eat. I pulled into a rest stop and loaded up on the worst meal I ever had. Two hamburgers, a poutine, chicken nuggets. Inhaling the food, someone said, I'm Paul, right? I looked up to find an old man squinting his eyes at all my food. That's quite a spread, huh? How in the hell, on the way to a destination where I've never met anyone else I know, at a rest stop somewhere between nowhere and never been, do I run into someone I used to work with years ago? And he wanted to talk. We caught up on the place where we used to work and what we're doing now. He and his brother were on a weekend fishing trip, got a flat tire and were waiting for help. Limiting my answers to um or sure or yeah or right, he still didn't get the point. Finally, he went away. But he wasn't finished yet. Slamming the rest of the hamburgers, nuggets, and fries into my face, I went to throw away my garbage, and there he was, seemingly waiting for me. He wanted to introduce me to his brother. Why can't we be honest with each other? What I really wanted to say was that I'm in the middle of a race, and it is quite literally life and death. Yes, I have time to sit down and eat a ridiculously unhealthy meal, but I needed fuel. Yes, I was pleasant to you earlier, but now you are taking up time on my clock. If I am being rude to you, would you rather me tell you that my father has been ill the past couple of years, and the last time I saw him, I said I needed to take a work trip and would come back right after? I think he understood me. But then my mother called to say the doctor sedated him and he is unconscious but in no pain. Should I tell you that he could die at any point and me standing here talking to someone I knew years ago and hadn't thought about since then is something I don't want to be doing at this point? Good day to you then, sirs, and let me be on my way. Instead, I went with a few more yas, shores, and finally got the hell out of there. This being Canada... It started snowing around the time I had an hour left of driving. This was April. It happens. For this last hour, I was to be on a two-lane highway, which, as the blizzard intensified, became one lane, past cars and ditches as the snow piled up and came down faster. Up here in Canada, we have summer and winter tires, which until this moment I thought was a racket. The week previous, it being April, I switched to my summer tires, so whenever I even thought about touching the brake, the car started swerving on the fresh snow. Still, people drove fast, passing into the snow-covered lane just to get a little ahead. And then it came. The truck. Barreling down the highway behind me at full speed. It approached fast, slipped into the ankle-high snow of the left-hand lane and started to pass me. This was it. This time, the truck would get me. I was in a race to get to the hospice before my dad died. I didn't want him to die alone, but really, he wouldn't be alone. My mother was there as always. No, I was the one that didn't want to hear of his death while I was alone, and by extension, I didn't want to die alone here on this highway by this truck. 
Now I'll get run off the road by this truck that will reach his destination five minutes sooner, and as the snow piles up on my car, I'll get the call. Or worse, my mother will have to deal with the death of her husband and son. I braced myself for when the truck blew past, kicking up so much snow that I couldn't see out the windshield. Knuckles white, I kept my foot off the brake and the steering wheel straight. Before I knew it, he was off in the distance in front of me, and I was still alive. Hours later, I arrived at my destination and spent the next three days and nights at the hospice. Thank you for listening. Again, if you'd like to purchase a copy of I'm Leaving It or any of my other books, they are available at most online booksellers. The live performances were originally performed and recorded at the monthly storytelling event, Stories We Don't Tell. To learn more about Stories We Don't Tell, head over to storieswedonttell.org. For everything else, please visit halldoor.com.